Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Today, um, I really want to jump into kind of a theme that I feel the Lord's pointing us towards as a church throughout the end of the year. It was really a birth when uh, Jim was here a couple weeks ago. Wasn't that amazing when Jim Baker came? Oh, my goodness. It was so good. If you didn't catch that, you should go back on our YouTube channel. But in the 9 a.m., he spoke on hope. It was like a hope injection. And I just felt like the Lord gave me an assignment to increase our hope level throughout the end of the year to show you every reason why you have to hope. Maybe not every reason, but I'm going to give you a lot of reasons to be hopeful. Okay, because the church, if the church isn't hopeful, then who will be? Right? I mean, if we're supposed to be this people that have the solution, we've been rescued, we've been saved, we should act like it, and we should be manifesting hope everywhere we go. Amen? Like, why would we wait for someone else to do that when we have every reason to do it? And, every, you know, it just doesn't, it's simple math to me. So today, knowing that times can be tough, and knowing that times are difficult, knowing that the holiday season is stressful, and knowing your stories, like I talk to y'all. All, all week long, I'm, I'm in your lives. You know, we talk. I, I, knowing that, I felt like the Lord showed me to talk on having hope at all times. And that might seem simple to you, but I promise you there will be a time when you need it. It might not be today, but it might be tomorrow. Amen. And some of you need it today. I know that. So we can have hope in affliction. We can have hope in the midst of unwise decisions. And we can have hope even in total failure because Jesus Christ has come. Because of his coming, we can have hope at all times. Say amen. This is, this is leading into this, you know, the Advent season, Christmas, all this, the coming of Christ. It was prophesied. These things are in the prophetic utterances describing what would happen when the Messiah comes. Okay, so we're going to go to one of those in Isaiah 42. And I'm going to show you how all three of those things are true, what I just said. Isaiah 42, 1 through 4 is a proclamation of Jesus at his coming, what would happen, what he would do. Okay, let's read it together. It says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. What meaneth that? Amen? Like, sometimes you read the Bible, and you're like, broken reeds, faint wicks, what's happening here? I don't know what's going on. We're going to talk about that little section there. It says, a bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will establish justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. So let's walk through it. Um, we're going to just take the Hebrew language, look at it in, the, in its original form, look at the definitions of it, and see if God will pour out revelation on us today. Sound good? Yeah? Okay, this is going to be very teachy. So that's what we're going to do. This word for bruised in the Hebrew, it's, it's not originally an English word. Did you know that? Like the Bible is not originally written in English, right? So you're like, people say, what kind of Bible translation is the best? 
oh, which one is the most accurate? And I just love to answer them because I say, none of them. <laughs> because they're translations. The word of God is God-breathed, inerrant from, you know, the writer from God's mouth to the, the prophet's ears, Isaiah or Paul or whoever to the writer. That is without error. But then you get one translation later. It's translated by fallible people. Come on, somebody. So unless you're able to read the original Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, you're reading through a veil. That's why dictionaries, things like that help us. It helps us to look at the original definition of these words. Are you following me? Yeah? Okay. You might not be used to this, but that, it's really helpful, I think, to look at that. So this word bruise in the Hebrew means to break or bruise, but it means more than that. It means to crush or to discourage, to oppress or to struggle. A struggling, oppressed, crushed, discouraged, broken reed he will not break. And the word reed is actually branch or stalk, okay, or reed. Now, this, is, this word for read is the same word used in Exodus 25, 32. Okay, we're not going to read that, but it's when it talks about the forming of the lampstands. You've seen a, like the menorah with the seven, right? The one in the middle, that's the tall one, and then the three on each side, so it makes seven, right? It's the same word for one of those branches. Did you know what the number six represents? Man, so, yeah, the mark of the beast is not, you know, it's not a number of the beast. It's the number of man. Okay, six, six, six. All that six by itself. Man, are you okay? I just felt you bristle. It's okay. You're gonna be fine. This is a picture of mankind. A broken, discouraged person. I will not break. He said in John fifteen five, "I am the vine. You are the branches." So a broken or struggling oppressed person who is in union with Christ grafted into him all of you know that when you come into Christ you're grafted into him did you know you don't have an anointing you have the anointed one flowing through you like yeah you're anointed but it's actually his anointing so don't claim the credit all right it's his anointing did you know in the I talk about this all the time but in the seven lampstand the seven you only put the oil in the middle you don't put the oil in each one. You put the oil in the middle, and the, by design, it flows through the other six. I am the vine, you are the branches. His anointing flowing through us. Christ in us is the hope of glory, not you trying to be like Christ. So it's through us that he brings forth the kingdom. Are you with me? Okay. So he says those who are struggling to shine, the bruised reeds, the ones who are not doing very well, I'm not going to break them. I'm not going to do that. That's what it says. This word break is break down, break off, break in pieces, broken hearted, crush or destroy. Yeah, Jim called that angel dandruff when he was here. I like that name. I don't like that it keeps happening, but you know. He's not going to break off or break down, break in pieces or break the heart or destroy or crush those who are having a hard time. Any teaching that says to you, Jesus needs you broken is short-sighted. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is God and God does not need. God needs me broken. Sorry, God doesn't need. God is the only being that has no needs. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we make this stuff up. We straight up make it up. We're making it up with our traditions and our ideologies. But he says, I don't need you broken. He says, in fact, if you're broken, I'm not going to break you further. I'm going to build you up. Come on. 
This is a promise that he will not break down or break off those who have been called in, into him. It's a promise that the, he will not shatter those who are the branches of his life. It's a promise that he did not come to break our hearts or crush us, to, but to heal our hearts and build us up. This doesn't mean that we don't go through hard things. Amen? Come on, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11. Paul talks about this. He, he speaks of this situation, and he says, we are afflicted in every way. Come on, faith doesn't ignore the existence of a problem. It ignores its place of influence. That's Bill Johnson. Don't quote me, quote him, okay? Ignoring the problem's place of influence. It is, it is not Lord. Your problems are not Lord. Your afflictions are not Lord. He says, we are afflicted in every way. This is when he's sharing the gospel. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're a bruised reed, but we're not broken. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. I have been perplexed in the presence of God often. You might say, well, God's not a God of confusion. So if it confuses me, it's not God. That's not the way it works. Okay. He often deals in nonsense. It's not going to make sense to you all the time. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. I've been confused. I prayed. Why didn't it happen? I gave. Why didn't it come back? I obeyed. Why didn't I? Why wasn't I blessed? What happened? I'm perplexed, but I refuse to despair. Why? Because I had this anchor in my soul. I have this person of hope, the God of hope living in me. He did not come to take those who are struggling and make them struggle more. <laughs> I know that might seem like elementary to you, but I think we actually think these things. He doesn't look at you in your affliction and your, dis and your perplexity and go, you know what? You need to be like that. I need you that way. That way you depend on me. That's an ideology that's in the room. You think that way. Stop it. <laughs> it's not what he came to do. When it says a bruised reed, he will not break. He's talking about you. In your struggle. In your oppression. Has anyone had a time of, diff of difficulty? I have. Yeah? Anybody? Okay. Not just me. All right. Some of you might be in it right now. Paul said we're perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. He's saying, that's for the apostles, just so you know. He's saying, we're carrying around the death of Jesus. We are putting our lives on the line for the sake of preaching this gospel. And they, Paul literally was, he was uh, raised back to life. He was stoned to death. He was. That's the way I read it in the book of Acts. They, the disciples came around him and raised him back up. He fell down dead. They raised him back up. This guy's not talking like he's been shipwrecked, snake bit. All right. He's been stranded on an island. You know, he, he knows what he's talking about. And he's saying we're carrying around the death of Jesus, meaning we're living with Christ and him crucified only in mind. We are preaching this gospel so that the life of Christ will come through us. And there's a lesson here. It says, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Here's the secret. In the midst of affliction and pain, we can have the life of Jesus manifesting through us as well. In the, in the midst of your affliction and pain, not after it. We're not, some of us are praying to be delivered from a situation, which is fine. But what's better is manifest your life through me, Lord, in the midst of this situation. 
It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Whether he delivers us or not, we are not bowing the knee to that fear, to that idol. We will not. We have hope like that in the midst of these things because Christ has come. It was a prophetic word. We should believe the prophetic words in the Bible. You believe your prophetic words. Why not the ones in the Bible? Okay? Come on. A bruised reed he will not break. I just feel like stopping for a second. I'm going to be bold, okay? Like, who feels like a bruised reed right now? Just raise your hand. Come in. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 people that just raised their hand. You don't think that that's, this is a thing right now? <laughs> Come on. It's for all of you who raised your hand. It's for everyone else. It's for everyone watching online. He's not coming to break you. He's coming to build you up. He came to give you hope, not despair. In the midst of those things, the life of God can come through you. I would want you to set your expectation there. You're not just going to just get through it. He's going to come through it. Did you hear what I just said? You're not just going to grit your teeth and bear it. He's going to come through your life in the midst of affliction and pain. He's not waiting till you're delivered to use you in that moment. He wants to deliver you and he will. But in the midst of it, are you following me? A faintly burning wick he will not quench. This is a picture of those who are supposed to be the light of the world, but are currently burning dimly. I've been there. Oh, listen. There are days where I'm like, yeah, give me all of hell and its demons right now. Face to face, let's go. And then there's other days where I'm just trying not to cuss people out. Are you okay? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 long-haired hippie-looking Jesus man. You ain't supposed to have problems. Oh, I got issues. Inauthenticity is not one of them. Okay? I got issues. I'm trying to cancel my subscription to all my issues. <laughs> For the millennials, that was a magazine joke, this paper thing. I'm a millennial. I can do that. You ever been there where you're like, I'm supposed to be the light of the world, but I'm just trying to not hurt someone. Anybody? Just me? Okay. All right. Good. I know who I am. I'm not doubting that. But man, today's hard. Yeah. Well, there's a promise that he will not snuff out a small light. He'll instead breathe upon the flame. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. Come on. This is in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You might, it might not click right away, but follow me. This is what Jesus said. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness, its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Remember, he already said, I'm not going to break you off or throw you out. So don't misapply these things. Hello? All of it's got to fit together. If your interpretation of one moment in Scripture disagrees with your interpretation of another moment in Scripture, guess which one is wrong? One of them. <laughs> you know, your interpretation. It's the interpretation that's wrong. It's not the word that's wrong. It's how you're seeing it. Are you following me? Just stick with me. He says, you are the light of the world. Why does he say that? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp or put it under a basket, but on a stand, and if it, it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, say in the same way, 
Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You're like, yeah, I'm trying, Caleb, but I'm the faintly burning thing. Well, these two things are connected. Everything in your Bible, every word from God is there on purpose in the order it's on purpose. The salt and the light thing are connected. They're not just like, oh, yeah, and another thing. Oh, yeah, and another idea that you can't. No, they're connected. I'm going to read to you a commentary from Brian Simmons because he says it way better than I could on this passage. He says, you, um, if salt has lost its taste, it also could be translated, salt that has lost its flavor is foolish. Both Greek and Aramaic use a word that can mean either good for nothing or foolish right here. If salt that has lost its flavor is foolish, then salt that keeps its flavor is wise. Rabbinical literature actually equates salt with wisdom. After speaking of salt, Jesus speaks of lighting a lamp. It was actually a common practice in the time of Jesus to put salt on the wick of a lamp to increase its brightness. <laughs> they would use salt on the wick of a, a faintly burning wick, one that's not doing well, and light that thing, and it would increase its brightness. So the salts of wisdom will make our light shine even brighter. In the midst of poor decisions and the results of our bad choices, Jesus wants to come and make our flame burn brighter with his wisdom. He brings us wisdom to shine, not wrath to snuff us out. And you're like, yeah, I know, I know. You live like that, though. You do. You live with the fear. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not burning brightly. I'm not sharing the gospel. I'm not. I'm not. I, 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 I. It's the me, myself, and I gospel instead of the Christ has come gospel. So much of the church is self-focused, well-meaning, but self-focused. Looking at your decisions or your mistakes, the consequences of your actions, you're looking at that more readily than you look at his faithfulness, then you are off target. I'm talking about how much time do you spend thinking about your failure? Compared to his faithfulness. Use that measuring stick. And I'm talking to you. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He brings wisdom when we're foolish. That's good news. Because I've been foolish once. <laughs> My wife's on the front row. She can testify I am lying. <laughs> He goes on in Isaiah 42 to say, he will faithfully bring forth justice. This word faithfully in the Hebrew is, it's the word for establishment. It's the word for right, to be right, to make something right side up, to be sure, to be true, to um, be faithful. It means that in true form and without instability, establishing with firmness, he will bring justice. And the word justice in the Hebrew is a specific word for judgment. Yeah. When Christ comes, remember Isaiah's prophesying it. When Christ comes, he's not going to break down those who are already brokenhearted. He's not going to snuff out those who aren't shining very well. He's going to bring justice. You're like, well, justice would mean that if I don't serve him, then he snuffs me out or throws me out. That's your justice. That's not God's justice. That's the justice of man, not the justice of God. He will decide our case, establishing it with firmness. With firmness. Listen to this. Hebrew, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. Romans 8, 1 through 2. Romans 8, 1 through 2. You know this, these verses. Listen to it. It says, there is therefore now 
No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you like, oh, that's just a free pass to do whatever I want? No. You're set free from sin, not set free to sin. Did you hear what I just said? You're set free from sin, not set free to sin against your brother and sister. Come on. You know, sin kills. It kills you and the one you harm. He's not into that. You're not like a free pass to do whatever you want. Here's what it says. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's a new law in town. A higher law has come. The case has been decided. Jesus actually said, now is the time for judgment. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Believer, let me tell you something. Judgment day already came and passed for you. The cross was a judgment day for the believer. Next is reward day. You'll be rewarded for what you do or you don't do. But your sins have been judged. Hello? You're like, but I, but I made a mistake. I mean, he has already brought forth justice. His form of justice is this. I'm going to pay for your sins before you even commit them. All of them. Oh, and I'm going to pay for the sins of everybody who lived before too. For one time, he saved to the uttermost. Once and for all. Read Hebrews 10. Okay? Read the whole thing. Don't stop. Don't stop reading. It says, we have been sanctified in verse 10. Around 14, it says that he for once established this covenant for all of those who are being sanctified. Meaning, everyone who comes into the kingdom, who's getting that gift of sanctification from him, he has established, closed the case. Case closed. The Passion Translation even says in Romans 8, 1, so now the case is closed. It's closed. So in the midst of failure and mistakes, we are not condemned, but free to pursue the spirit of life. Condemnation means death sentence. That's what it means. Some of you are giving you your, your own death sentence. You're giving yourself a death sentence that the judge never ratified, and it's actually in direct conflict with his decision over you. He said, not guilty, acquitted. Oh, you believe my son, not guilty. Boom, done, finished. Like, well, what if I sin and die before I ask for forgiveness? Hello, it's not when you ask for forgiveness that you're forgiven. You were forgiven, and then you believed it, and now you're receiving it. I, this is so important, y'all, that you get this right in your thinking. Because the other thing is hopeless. And the other thing is based on self-righteous works. And not on the grace of God. He came. It's promised he will establish justice. That means it was established when he came. Justice has been established. Hello? Paid for all of it. Did he? No, Jesus paid for some, right? No, no, no. He paid for all of it. Gone, done. Past, present, future, all of it. There remains no other sacrifice for sins. There's not going to be another one, including you. So get off your high cross and get onto his Quit trying to claim credit for what only Christ can accomplish. You will never make yourself right with God. Stop trying. You've already been made right with God. It's the same trick as in the garden with the serpent. You'll be like God. They already were. We are not under the law of sin and death. We are under the new law of the spirit of life. You need to be legalistic about your freedom. You can be legalistic about this one thing. I am legally, completely, totally free. Find a higher court to appeal it to. Go ahead. I try. I dare you. 
Find a higher court that will disagree. This is the faithful justice of God. His faithful works cancel out our unfaithfulness every single time. That's the faithful justice of God. His faithful work cancels out our unfaithfulness every time. And in response to that, if you think you can go out and hurt people, you missed it. You didn't hear what I said. If you feel you can go out and stand and all, well, I'm just, I'm forgiven. You didn't hear what I said. I don't, like, not cheat on my wife because I promised, you know, it would break the rules. You know? That's sick. I, I love her. I have a relationship with her. I don't want to hurt her heart. Why would I do that to her? Are you following me? I have a big yes, so I don't need a bunch of little no's. You understand? Like, it's automatic. There's no one else for me. Doesn't matter. But we live like, oh, no. I might, I might, I might, I might. I know. You don't know the yes you gave to Jesus. He took it seriously. Maybe you need to start. Your yes to him leads to a life of holiness. Not by your works, but by his grace that trains you in it. This is, I don't have any time to talk about what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. We teach these things in the Jesus lab. We speak into your identity because this is what the gospel teaches. This is what the Bible teaches. It goes on to say, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. That means he's not going to stop until he's established it. He didn't stop short. Ah, I want to share things. I don't have time, but I'm going to share it. Ben time, Lord Jesus. In the garden, he was not giving up on the cross. If possible, pass this cup for me. I know you've been taught that, but have you been wrong once? At least once in your life? Okay, yeah. Has that person who taught you ever been wrong? Yeah, okay. I've been wrong 2.5 times, so I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> he was in the garden, in private, surrounded by trees, dying. You understand? He was feeling the physical toll of death. That's why he was bleeding or sweating blood. Okay, that like is a precursor to death. It's a medical condition. I don't know the name of it. You can ask my mom later. She's on the front row. She's a nurse. She told me once. I never remember it. Anyway, he felt the pain of death coming. And he said, if possible, God, pass this cup from me. But not my will, yours. Back in earlier in John's gospel, he actually said, will I actually ask to be delivered from this hour? Speaking of the cross. He says, no, for this hour I have come. He said, I will not ask to be delivered from the cross. That's why I came. So why are we teaching that he has to be delivered from the cross in the garden? He was asking to be delivered from premature death in private, surrounded by trees, because he knew he was to die the next day in public upon a tree. Hebrews 5, 7 that says, in the days of his flesh, he offered up loud cries and supplications to God, asking to be delivered from death. Hebrews 5, 7 says he asked to be delivered from death and he was heard. Because of his reverence. Was he delivered from death on the cross? No, he died on the cross. And then he raised three days later. That's not the deliverance from death. He was delivered from death in the garden. You can think I'm wrong, but I'm not. He was not quitting on his assignment. That's Jesus in the image of you, not you made in the image of Jesus. That's not my Savior. My Savior was here for that. He did not waffle. He did not go, oh, I don't know, night before, you know. He wasn't like, you know, what is that movie? 
the bride thing, what a runaway bride or whatever. He wasn't like getting cold feet about the one he wanted to marry. It was for the joy set before him that he endured it all. It was you and I coming into the kingdom. That's why he endured. He wasn't giving up in the garden. He was saying, if possible, pass this cup. I feel like I'm going to die. I don't want my will. I want your will. You told me to go to the cross, and I feel like I'm going to die. Help. He sends an angel, and he strengthens him so he can fulfill his assignment. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. He was fulfilling Isaiah 42. And it says the coastlands wait for his law. Waiting for his law is hoping for his reign. Hoping for his rule. This was all quoted in Matthew 12, 18 through 21. It's saying, it's Mark says, says, this is the one Isaiah was talking about. They quote Isaiah. And also in Romans 15, 12 through 13, it says, again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles will hope. Gentile is anyone who's not Jewish, so that's most of us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's why he came, to give you hope at all times. So we could be a hopeful people who manifest his life. We can have hope at all times because Christ has come. Affliction and pain will only bring forth the life of Christ within us. You can be a bruised reed. You don't have to lie about your troubles. But you need to set your expectation that he's going to manifest through them. Come on. And you need to leave at the door all that garbage about God needs you that way. Stop. God doesn't need. Two, when we make unwise decisions, we're not left to the consequences alone. Christ brings us wisdom to help us shine through it all. And finally, even in total failure and mistakes, which we do those. I do those. A new law is in town. Come on. It's a new law that will not give us a death sentence, but rather a life sentence through conviction from the Holy Spirit. Come on. That's good news. I just felt like we needed that hope. I've wanted to point you to something that was written hundreds of years before Christ so that we can actually anchor our lives in that and say, you know what? That's what he came. That's what he did. I'm going to live like it's true. I'm going to choose to agree with that in my mind and my heart. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.